The Bird Show. All right, Katie, the ex that refuses to leave. Go away already. Have you all ever had an ex that just won't leave you alone? No, they're always running from me. (laughs) (laughs) I think we probably all have had this, right? That's the dating antichrist, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of mine was so bad that, like, to her face, she would never accept that I was breaking up with her. Seriously, time and time again, no. Say, ah, it's not working out for me. No. So I didn't really know how to handle it. So my therapist, and this is 20-something years ago, is like, you know what? Sometimes they have to see it in words. So send her a letter. Snail mail back in the day. I don't know if she ever got it. Might be still in the mail. Um, Now, she got it and read it. And my therapist was 100% right. When she saw it in words, it changed everything. And that was the end of the relationship. Crazy. Well, in this situation, my best friend has an ex that will not leave her alone. Now, they were together for probably about a year, and they broke up six years ago. And it wasn't that one of the person did something wrong. It wasn't there was no one cheated or anything like that. It was just she realized that he wasn't her person, and it was just time to just end things. So they ended on good terms, and they still kind of remained friends. It's not like she blocked him or anything like that. If he, he would check in and say, you know, hey, how you doing? Or my mom asked about you, and she's like, tell your mom I said hey. Like, they remained like friends or they were friendly? Friendly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, friendly. Yeah. Like, they didn't talk every day, but yeah. every once in a while, check-ins. And so it started to fade off, and they slowly stopped just talking in general, but still followed each other on social media. And about two years after they broke up, He hit her up like, hey, I just wanted to call you. He gave her a phone call, which that was unusual. Just to check in, see how you think. How are you doing? How's life? She's like, good, cool, short. (laughs) He checked the temperature. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Dipping his toe, isn't he? Uh So she didn't think anything of the phone call. She was like, oh, this is random. He called me. Okay, cool. And then from there, it started to become more frequent, his phone calls of, hey, just seeing how you doing. Um, I'm doing fine. How are you? Simple. But here lately, within the last six months, he's been calling her. And the last phone call that he reached out to her, he basically asked her, hey, was there anything I did wrong? Like, how could I have been better for you? Ah, damn it. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, it wasn't anything that you did wrong. He's like, I just need to know because if I'm going to go into future relationships, I need to know where we went wrong. And so now it's like he's trying to get a relationship report card Mm. from her. But it's such why? an unfair question, too, because their two personalities are going to be so different than whomever is going to be in their future that asking what I did wrong to you might be totally right for somebody else. hundred percent. I completely agree. And I guess that she, what now she's trying to figure out is why is he calling me and asking me things about him? Why is he not calling other exes? Because it seems right now that he's only calling her and he's also been hitting up her friends and checking in like hey how is she doing too she's finding this out through other friends and it's like and he's hitting up her friends yes that's oh. creepy oh, yeah that's a lot they yeah. had mutual friends so that those that he's still in contact with he's done that so this feels a little bit to me like when your partner will weaponize therapy speak against you to make it seem like they're in a really good healthy place and it seems like he's trying to entrap her into a relationship again like It sounds like he went to a therapist one time, probably over like Zoom or something for 30 minutes, and he got the proper language to make it sound like he's healed and he wants to be better for her and he wants to be the right partner. But in reality, I think it's going to last 
maybe a date if they end up going out again, if she ends up falling into this trap. But it feels very much like it's being weaponized. So this is the first time I've ever heard of this kind of concept here. Weaponizing therapy. Weaponized therapy speak. Okay. Not weaponizing therapy. Like, if you don't straighten up, we're going to therapy. More of like you're using the language that a therapist would use to sound like you know or to sound like you've done the work. But in reality, it's just a Band-Aid to cover up all of the underlying issues. Interesting. I never heard of that. So after six years, he's trying to get back with her yeah. using this method. And mm. I I think that he's stupid for doing that. <laughs> but I also think my friend is stupid. <laughs> because you know what happens when stupid plus stupid? What? You get a whole bunch of stupid. <laughs> Double the stupid. <laughs> Math is math. Because she she's expressed how much she doesn't like this, but yet I'm like, girl, you're still picking up his phone calls mm-hmm. as well. Now that's yep. the question. Why? Yeah. Mm. And I don't know why. I she can't explain to me why. She's just like, oh, I don't just want to block him. And I'm like, girl, you're picking up his mm. phone call. So do you want him or do you not? She needs to go to his therapist. Figure out why. <laughs> yeah, because she can put a boundary on this thing and end it mm. and hasn't. So the real work is like, why am I not? Because I feel like he's checking the temperature. He's trying to see where she's at. Has she really moved on? Is somebody else in her life? So he can figure out if that door is still open. And every time she answers the phone and gives him any kind of reaction at all, it makes him believe that there's still a chance. And there's not. Well, so she says. <laughs> I think she just likes the attention of him still hitting. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. She's got control of that, though, yeah. The Bird Show. All right, have you guys ever been in a situation, moving on now, where... It's a tense situation. Somebody says something. You react in a way that kind of makes you look a little on the lame side. Then you think about it later, how you would have, how you should have reacted. But the time has passed, so there's no do-over. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I can't think of the examples off the top of my head. I can think of one for you. Which? When that listener called up and called you out, that was your neighbor? Oh, on the no. radio? I was happy with how I handled you that. Yeah, okay. I was. I was mad. You thought you were mad because you thought I was being a doormat. <laughs> I thought you were being too nice. I, you thought I was being too nice, but I was protecting my, um, because this is in my neighborhood and this was like across the street from me. So I was just trying to protect my peace in my neighborhood because I didn't want to drive home every single day and have like that, that anxiety. This was the curb appeal thing? So, Abby, on the air, (laughs) I had brought this story about how somebody's car was parked in front of my house, right? And this was, my God, this was over a decade ago, okay? And so, when you buy a house, you spend that money, you're very proud of it. And so, this busted car was parked in front of my house every single day. They weren't coming to my house, right? They were going somewhere, somewhere else. But I never could figure out who it was. It was just this busted car every day parked in front of my house. And it was driving me crazy. I'm like, wherever you're going, park in front of their house. Like, I just think that's common courtesy. Anyway. It's the first time I had ever heard the phrase ruining my curb appeal. (laughs) I hated it. It drove me crazy. And I also wasn't on meds at this time. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And so I I came on the air and I talked about it. And then we decided I was going to leave a note on the car. So I left a note on the car and I was very, I was nice about it. I wasn't like a, a, you know, a total biatch. Like I was nice. But then I saw like, and so then I did a stakeout at my house and I was like in the window and I was like watching the whole time. And then I saw the person come out and then other people came out and then there was a gathering (laughs) with the note by the car. And so I still didn't know who it was. And I went on the air and talked about it. And said neighbor called in. <gasps> yeah. Yes, while I was talking about it. 
And she was quite confrontational. We put her on the air. Yes. We put her on the air. She was quite confrontational. Um, she did not like the way I handled the situation. Does she still live there? No, no. Okay, they, so they, let's talk crap about her. She was really, really mean. <laughs> she was really aggressive and really, really mean. What did she say? I, I don't remember what she said, but the attitude. Uh-huh. And I was just, I was very much in the wrong for what I did. And why didn't I just come talk to her? And I go... I couldn't come talk to you because I didn't know whose car it was and I didn't know whose house they were going to. Like, I never saw that. I just always saw the car. And it turns out it was her nanny, okay? So it was her nanny parking in front of my house, blah, 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 whatever. And so I was very kind and gracious because I didn't want to, like, make a big stink because this is where I live and this is, like, my sanctuary here. You are a beautiful representation for Jesus that morning. (laughs) (laughs) I was cringing. I was ready to go at this listener, man. I mean, this was, I remember, Carl was the one answering phones. And I remember him coming in the studio and being like, your neighbor's on the line. Your neighbor's on the line. And I was like, and you looked at me with like, ching, 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 ching. And so while I will say. This is not a drill, people. This is a real bit. While I will say, I probably did take a little more than I should have. I am happy with the way I handled myself. I even afterwards took a bottle of wine over there and a note, or she she left a note first on my car, left a note <gasps> on my car, but it was like a kind, like we were trying to like make amends or whatever. And then they moved out shortly thereafter because they were just leasing the house because her husband was a resident and he was a doctor somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. So I wish that you would have handled it differently. Okay, You're you, fine with the way you handled it. I was until now. You <laughs> <laughs> had to bring that up. Dude, I'm not kidding you. There was multiple breaks after that, and Bert's like, "Why didn't you stand up for yourself? She treated you like a doormat. You should have said something." Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, "I didn't." Even know. <laughs> uh, for me, it would be, and then we're gonna get um, uh, a friend of Mo's on here in a second who would like to do this very thing, kind of make it up for a situation they were confused by. Uh, for me, I've told you guys this before, man. I was uh, working for that radio station in Dallas, right? (laughs) And uh, I was the guy that went out in the van and represented the morning show, and I'm giving out t-shirts to a whole bunch of listeners to the Kid Craddock show from KISS FM, and I'm hanging out with listeners, and one of them comes up to me, and seriously, seriously, because I'm a short guy, says, are you officially a midget? What? (laughs) Swear to God, man. Swear to God. Wow. And And you said what? I, I was really nice. Uh-huh. I, I was really, really nice about it. But I could, I, you know how like when you're in such an embarrassing situation that the movies portray this so well where everybody is laughing and it's the only thing you can hear, like the laughter go, right, goes on and on and on. I was nice about it. But man, I wish I would have dug in and said something. And it haunted me. <laughs> it haunted me. <laughs> That's a wild question to ask somebody. I mean, yeah. He was a hundred, he wasn't trying to be insulting. Yeah. He was just good old boy. Hey, I got a question for you, man. <laughs> you officially a midget? <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> All these listeners. <laughs> oh, my God. Emotionally, that's exactly how I felt at the moment. Um, all right, so your friend here wants do-over. Yes, so we've all been in these situations, as y'all just have made examples of, where someone says something to you, and it just catches you off guard. And the moment is just takes you by surprise, 
and you may not have the best response in that moment, and then it haunts you. Like I said, you think about it when you're sleeping at night. Why did I say that? I should have said this. You freeze, you stutter, whatever. Yes, and so last week I came in with a story where I told y'all that that happened to my guy because there are a lot of times in life, especially us as black people, sometimes we get questions from white people that you are just not fully prepared to answer, and you're not exactly sure how to take the question. And this was one of those instances where we were out, we were on vacation, we were having a good time, we're like the life of the party in this place. It's lit in there. And this guy comes up to my dude out of nowhere. Oh, and white dude? White dude. And my friend is is black, and he has on a shirt that says King, Black King. And I think that's all the shirt said. We can ask him more specifically in a second. But the guy literally, like, kind of stops the party in a way where it's just like this becomes the focus, this conversation and this question that he's about to ask my guy. And he just asked him real matter-of-factly, like, what are you the king of? Mm. And was the presentation. So this is an inquisitive. This is, you can already tell the question is coming from an insulting place. I thought so. Uh-huh. That, that's how I received it. I don't know if he meant for it to be insulting, but the way that he asked it was like, Almost like he was a bit disgusted that you would have on a shirt that says king if you're not the king of something. No, if you're coming up to a group of strangers and commenting on a shirt that somebody is wearing because it's irritating you so bad and you're asking, what are you the king of? That's not coming from a place of, huh, I wonder if he's a king or something. Mm-hmm. You're coming over to make a point and to make a stink about something. So at that point, I think we all stopped and kind of waited for what my guy's answer was going to be. And I thought he was going to come with the fire. I thought he was going to bring it and have something really good that was going to make this guy feel like a fool for even asking the question. But he didn't. He didn't. He, I think, I think he kind of was shocked and taken aback like all of us. And I believe he said his exact words was, I'm the king of myself. Oh, no. <laughs> and, and, just, a question, and then with a question? Yeah. No, like, no, like, you no, weren't no, even no. sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> so as we talked about it, we came up with the idea to give him a redemption moment, to not only speak on exactly what he felt in that moment, but to take that. And what better time to do it than the first day in Black History Month? All right. <laughs> Right, right, to get him some redemption. Take it back. Take it back. Let's change history. Yes, we're going to change black history right now. We're changing it. We're starting it off right. So let's get him on the line and figure out a way where we can make this better for him. Are we purposely not saying his name just yet? No, you can say his name. Okay, you say his name. His name is Key. What up, okay. Key? Hey, hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? Hey, Key, good to hear from you, man. All right, dude, this is the time. This mm-hmm. is it right here. Did you come with one response, or did you come with a whole bunch of ways that you should have responded? I have one response that I think I should have definitely hit him with, but it didn't, you know, I was in shock at the moment, and I didn't really, it just caught me off guard because I didn't really think anything of the shirt. So I didn't, that was the last thing I thought he was going to ask me a question about. So are you are you in the same boat as Mo? Like this guy came up not because he was inquisitive, because but because he was trying to be a D word. Yeah, I think yeah. so because the shirt actually said um, it had a chess piece on it. It was a king on the chess piece, and the shirt said um, "Black King, the most powerful piece in the game." That's what the shirt said. So it was pretty like mm-hmm. I didn't think of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so when he hit me with the question. I was like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you talking about? And he was like, your shirt. Your shirt says you're black king. What the heck are you the king of? Oh. <laughs> I didn't even know he threw that in And there. if he said it like that, that's yeah. a triple uh, insulting right there. All right, so okay. here we go, Key. We're all at the table. We're all sitting there having a great time. This dude walks up. He says that. 
We all turn. Key, we're all looking at you. What are you going to say back? You are looking at the king of Wakanda. <laughs> 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 that would have worked. That was it. That would have worked. That is what you should have went with. That's 100% what you should have gone <laughs> yes. with. Yes. <laughs> Close your eyes at once and disappear. And then everybody at the table does what? That's it. And who cares? How long ago was this? Uh, this was a, what, a few months ago? Doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't even matter. Doesn't matter. Right. The way we will rewrite this history now, uh-huh. moving forward, Key, is you will always tell the story with your ending today. Yes, the first sir. one never even happened, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> My, My man, King of Wakanda, baby. <laughs> My dude. The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. One of the biggest rappers in music says he's made millions writing country music, but you would never know. So I'm curious, if you had to pick a rapper that you think would make some fire country music, who would you guess? Ooh. Who's that dude that's from Atlanta that does country? Uh, Braylon? Not him. T-Pain. T-Pain. Yes. Because I've seen him. So I watched a special on him. I know it's random. And talking about like the auto tune and how, how he got kind of like pigeonholed and then made fun of. But he's got a fantastic voice. And he is really an incredible mm-hmm. singer. And I just saw him do a cover of um of a Black Sabbath song. So even though it wasn't country, I'm like, well, if he can cover a freaking like mm-hmm. rock song, then maybe he could do country. He did a whole album of covers and each song was from like a completely different genre, different time. And really? everyone sounds amazing. He speaks to like the depression that he went into when Usher told him on the plane that he ruined R&B for yeah. using auto-tune. That's but right. T-Pain can really sing and is super talented when you really get to know who he is. That's so disheartening because his auto-tune, even though, you know, you can hate on it for being auto-tune, it's so specific to who he is that it just speaks to how good of a branding thing that it is that we associate T-Pain with auto-tune. Well, he says he's always been a fan of country, but he says there's one main reason why he's kept his name off of all of his songs. All the people I know like feel like it's not cool to listen to other genres of music. Country music is where I get all my harmonies. Country and gospel music, that's where that's where all my harmonies come from. I wrote a lot of country songs. Stop taking credit for it because as, as cool it is to see your name in those credits, the racism that comes after it is just like, mm-hmm. I'll just take the check. <laughs> Take the check without a side of racism. Yeah. Please, hold the racism. It's becoming more common. Like, uh, from time to time, I'll play this dude, this DJ that I found out in, like, Montana or something that has been mashing up country songs with rap songs or pop songs, and I play him in here three-fourths of the time. He hits pretty well. Every now and then. <laughs> yeah, he's we offensive. Get a, we, we get a mess. <laughs> All right. And it shows on Kristen's face. <laughs> <laughs> well, honestly, I'm a huge country music fan, and it honestly doesn't surprise me that he's probably had some songwriting record or songwriting credits, even though he hasn't had his name out there, on some songs that I love because some of my favorite country songs feel like they have a little bit of a hip-hop mm. twist to them. Like, one of the best concerts I've ever been to was a Nelly concert, and I don't know if you know this, but Nelly has some country songs, and they're so good because they have a little bit of twang, but they mm-hmm. also have a little hip-hop rhythm. Florida Georgia Line mixes it in there. So it wouldn't shock me if those were two people that he wrote for.
All right, Justin Timberlake, he has shared a sneak peek from his new album for his birthday. Uh, I know, Cassie, you're going to love this because this is something we have not heard from him yet. And I gotta say He said, here's a snippet of my favorite interlude on my new album, Everything I Thought I Was. Sorry, not sorry to my team. See you guys tonight. Feels like baby making music. That to me is like kind of what Justin Timberlake mm-hmm. does really well. Mm-hmm. It's a little poppy. It feels like something you could get down to in the bedroom. I feel like JT's back. He's bringing sexy back. It, it does feel like he's back. You nailed it. Because I feel like for an album, like a Man of the Woods, mm-hmm. his music is good. He's a talented artist, but it was no future sex love sounds. And that's the vibe I'm getting from this. And I am going to credit it to the rest of NSYNC and him getting back to his pop roots. And oh, they really? have inspired him to make the greatest album of his it, career. It all comes back to J.C. Chazet. Sure does. Sure does. The founding <laughs> member, the best voice. The, the real talent the of The real talent of NSYNC. When they the got cast. in studio to do that troll song, all of a sudden, <laughs> he got his sexy back. He went to a better place. <laughs> exactly. All right, this weekend, Io Edbury is going to be the host for Saturday Night Live. I'm really excited, excited to see her take it on for the first time. And she's done this promo where she's given a pep talk as if she was a football coach for the big game in this new promo. Bookstores across the country hosted book lovers at midnight for a new book release. Is this author the new J.K. Rowling? We'll chat about her on your next eBuzz on The Bird Show. The Bird Show. Why would a neighbor choose to send packages to another neighbor's house without their permission over and over and over again? We will try to solve this mystery here in just one second. Uh, before we get into that, have you guys been watching Griselda? On Netflix? Absolutely. I haven't. You have been? Yes. It's freaking great, right? It's amazing. It's fire. What Sophie I love- Vergara's crushing it? Yes. yes. Absolutely. So if you guys don't know what it's about, it's about a... Um, how'd you... Uh, she's the leader of a drug cartel. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's a queen pin. Right. She goes from Columbia to Miami, and she just takes over all the coke in Miami. And it's a, it's based on a real story. Uh, and I'm only bringing it up because there are some times where I go on a Netflix and there's so much inventory that I'm not exactly sure what to watch. So I wish I knew. Uh, but this one is great because it's only like five episodes. Some yeah. of them can be too long and you just like lose interest. But it, it's, it's like she had a life that you just can't believe was real. And when you watch it, it's it's so captivating to know that these are true stories. And like my favorite thing is that uh, Pablo Escobar, who is like the greatest <laughs> yeah. kingpin ever, was quoted for saying the only man I was ever afraid of was a woman. And it was Griselda. <laughs> yeah. You guys will love it also because it really highlights um, how difficult it was for women in the 70s. Like she was trying to build this drug cartel and she was doing everything that the dudes were doing, but nobody would take her seriously because she was a woman. Yeah. Oh, so even in the, uh, in, in the, the drug game. Oh, yeah. In the illegal world. <laughs> it's the same as the non-illegal world. Especially. <laughs> but she got around it. Yeah, she did. It's really, really good. You guys should check it out. It's called Griselda, and it's on Netflix right now. I think it's number one in the country right now. Probably. I think so. All right, so the email, this is an interesting uh, mystery here. Why would anybody have packages sent to a neighbor's house without the neighbor saying that it's okay. Over and over and over again. Well, we were just talking about drugs. Hey, maybe. (laughs) Maybe she lives on Griselda Avenue. All right, dear Bird Show, we've all had to deal with weird neighbors, but something keeps happening to me that's got me scratching my head. My neighbor has packages delivered to my house. She has never asked permission to use my address or alerted me to deliveries. The packages just show up here. 
Her apartment can be tricky to locate, and I guess she's had some trouble with deliveries from time to time, and she does a lot, a lot of online shopping. I have repeatedly asked her to quit using my address and suggested that she have packages sent to her work or use a Dropbox service. The stream of packages has slowed, but it hasn't stopped. There was another delivery today, and apparently it's not just packages now, because the other day I came home to find a confused delivery man on the sidewalk trying to locate my house for a food order with her name on it. I don't want to get into a big conflict with the neighbor, but I'm tired of her using my address. I end up walking her stuff over to her apartment. Would I be a complete jerk to start returning packages to the sender? Absolutely not. Oh, my God. If this was happening at our house, my husband mm. would be livid. The The only thing I could think of is she's trying to hide these packages from, like, a significant other. Oh, oh yeah. Oh. That's a good call. Like, she... He, she doesn't want the evidence to be on the ring camera. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's the only thing you can do is you have to provide consequences for somebody's actions because the only way, the only reason that she's continuing to do this is because she's like, well, why would I stop? It's benefiting me mm-hmm. and there's nothing, there's no consequence to me. So if you keep, if you end up sending them back, then eventually she's going to stop. I hope. I feel like even if it is for a significant other or whatever reason you would be hiding them, you get like a time limit on that. You can't just do that forever. At some point, you got to start getting your own packages. And if I'm her, I would have gave her the warning like it appears that she's already done. And at that point, I feel like you have the freedom to do whatever you want. If you were a Burt Show PI, 1-855-BURT Show, like what would be the reason somebody would do that? The food one's thrown me off. Like, I can understand the packages, trying to hide the packages from a husband or a wife or kids, maybe even, with a surprise. But the food? Yeah. No, I saw um, a meme just the other day, and it was a delivery. It was a restaurant showing the delivery request, and on it, it says, please be very quiet. I'm not supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be on a diet. So I guess whoever they were in the house with, they were like on a health journey and they had ordered like a bunch of food, like a milkshake and onion rings and all this stuff. And they're like, please be very quiet. I'm not supposed to. (laughs) That's funny. Any hunches from you guys? Nobody really has anything on the phones, really. I feel like it could only be the partner. They're trying to hide something from somebody else that's Mm -hmm. in the house. Gotta be. For me, I, the the glaring thing is it's a spending problem. Like they might be an addict, like a shopaholic or have spending issues. And so, yes, they've told their partner they're cutting back. And so they're sending everything, DoorDash packages to a neighbor because they have a shopping addiction. But then she's walking the packages back over to the house. Right. So she's still going to show up carrying a package mm-hmm. if they have a ring cam and putting mm. it down. Yeah, the least you could do if you're going to have the packages delivered to my house is come get them. I got to ask. Right. Well, and even... The fact that she keeps having them delivered to the same place because there are plenty of other apartments she could start using, you know, and she's not. So for some reason, she keeps going back to the same one over and over and over again. Hey, Margaret, good morning. We have a listener that has a neighbor that is delivering packages to her home all the time, and she's never given the okay to do that. You have any hunch why? Uh, We have an online business, and we get scammed a lot, and this is what they do. They order something, they send it to a neighbor's address. Then they tell their credit card company that they never received the uh, package and that it was shipped to the wrong address, and we never get the packages back. Oh, man. Shut up. Mystery wow. solved. Hey, Margaret, do you want to give your online business a shout-out? 
No, no, thank you. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Don't need it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you out a sister. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. now I want to know what Mark does. Right. <laughs> Double mystery. <laughs> yeah. We good. <laughs> what the hell is that, man? It doesn't matter. It's fine. It's the bird. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't got to worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast. So be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. I'm not a huge fan of spicy foods, but I do like a bit of spice in other areas of my life. Reality TV fights make it spicy. My margaritas make them very spicy. And when it comes to the spice cabinet you keep beside your bed, you got to have a wide variety of spices to keep things heated up. If you've been looking for some more flavor to add to your life behind closed doors, Adam and Eve can help you bring the heat with some fun new items to turn up the temp between you and someone else. Or if it's a single girl summer, there's plenty of options for those of you riding solo this year. Adam and Eve is offering 50% off just about any item and they'll include free shipping and rush processing so you can spice things up ASAP. And you don't got to worry about your neighbors noticing your delivery. Adam and Eve ships things out in discreet packaging. So you and Deborah down the street don't have to make awkward eye contact when you get your mail. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item and select just enter offer code Abby at checkout. That's A-B-B-Y at adamandeve.com. This exclusive offer is specific to this podcast so be sure to use code Abby to get your discount code Abby. The Bird Show. Every parent that has had a son has asked himself this question before. When do I put a stop to this or not? Okay. (laughs) And the thing I am talking about is your little dude playing with his pee-pee. You can't even call it penis yet. It's not big enough. Wait, wait. You gotta call that a pee-pee. Is that... <laughs> it's levels. It, yep. He's just a little toddler guy. Mm-hmm. It's a pee-pee. Well, mm-hmm. courtesy of the potty training book that we have, it also is referred as a pee-pee in that. Yeah, book. as it should be at that age. Um, both Kristen and Cassie have young sons. Have you gone through the question yet? Like, okay, they're touching it all the time. When do we have the conversation Like, when is it appropriate? When is it not? Well, we are not there yet. He is two, almost three. So I'm bracing myself for this. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. Mm -mm. He did, um, because we take showers together, and he did take one of his toy boats, and he was banging his toy boat against his pee-pee. And I'm like, (laughs) that can't possibly feel good. (laughs) Um, But it was just for a split second, and it wasn't anything like that. He was just like, oh, I wonder. And then that was fine. That's where it starts. But as far as, like, any, like, like, um, I remember changing the first diaper where it was hard. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, 
What is going on? <laughs> what, 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 do I, what am I supposed to do with yeah. this? And I just kind of like put the put the you know the wet wipe over top of it, and I'm like, do I wait for it to go down? <laughs> like, do I keep putting? Do I just put? The, do I just kind of force it down and put the diaper over top of it? Yeah, it was. It's it, there's a learning curve for, I've, for sure. I've told you guys before that uh, Hayden, I forget what age he was in. He was in the shower by himself, and I was in the room right next to him doing some work, right? And I hear this blood curdling scream coming <laughs> coming from the bathroom. I'm like, what the hell is going on? I run into the bathroom and the water had been hitting him in his penis and it made it hard and it scared him. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to be the buzzkill. We we call it a penis okay. and he hasn't started any of that yet because he just turned two, but he will be, he'll say the word back and he'll, you know, when I'm changing his diaper and touch it and I'll, I'll talk to him about it and I'll say, hey, this is your private parts. Only you are allowed to touch this. No one else without your permission. Sometimes mommy and daddy and doctors will have to, but you're in control of your body and you only touch it in private. So it hasn't started, but I'm trying to plant the seed so I don't have to have the <laughs> awkward conversation. Like it can just kind of be ingrained. All right. We got this email, this post that we want to run by Jessica Hutchison, who does a, a podcast with... With Andrea Berkeley, who's been on the show before, called Honest Women, and that's on my podcast network called Pioneer. And they're both therapists, but it's not like a therapist speak type of podcast. It's very relaxed, very conversational. And at the end of the day, they're therapists, but they're also moms, they're also- and it's really great to listen to. Uh, hey there, Jessica. Hey, Jessica. Uh-oh. Hi, how are you? Uh, we got a tremendous echo. Oh, tremendous echo. Hold on. Where's uh, that coming yeah, from? Yeah, like that coming from? very bad. Um. Me. It's you. Uh, yeah. Oh, the there we go. Okay. <laughs> there was like 50,000 voices in my earphones. I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> All right, Jessica, let's read this to you. We wanted to get a professional in here because I think we've read the books. We've gone online for advice, but we want to hear it right from you. All right. So the okay. post says, let's talk about boys and their penis. I am not prepared to deal with this and maybe someone can help me. My three-year-old started to rub his penis and gets pillows. And sometimes I am sitting next to him and he even does it in my legs or arm like a horny dog. Clown face emoji. I tell him that he can do it by himself in his room because that's his private time. It's like I don't say anything. He continues doing it and he's looking at me and he's smiling. (laughs) Please tell me I'm not alone. How's the right way to deal with it? (laughs) All right, Jessica here, not only a professional, but has a son as well. So where do we go with this? I do have a son. Okay, first, before I say anything, let me say, no, you are not alone. And yes, this is totally normal. So I want to go ahead and put that out Mm -hmm. there before I say anything else. Now, remember when, those of you who are moms out there, right, or dads, remember when your child first found their feet that cute little thing they did Mm -hmm. and they grab them and they suck on their toes and they do all these things. Okay. Well, at three, your penis is another foot. Like they just found (laughs) their penis. Okay. And now the little dude's like, whoa, okay, what's this? They are exploring another part of their body. No different than a foot. I will also say this. You know how pop culture rules say three-nager? Have you all heard that? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Three-nager? Uh-uh. uh-uh. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Okay. So we call them three-nager. So, and that started when my kids were little. Terrible twos followed by three-nager years. Here's why we call it the three-nager years is it represents the oppositional behavior and defiance that three-year-olds can have as a way of asserting mm. independence. Makes sense, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so here's what little boy is also doing. He is saying, wow, when I touch this part of my body, 
look at what mom does over here. Like, that is really funny to watch mom do that. Mm. So a lot of the times when a little boy is touching his penis, we're the ones sexualizing it. They are simply looking at us and our response. And now from straight up behavioral conditioning saying, when I do this, I get a real funny response from mom and I kind of dig it. I didn't realize I had this kind of control over Mm -hmm. her. Okay. Right. And it's so hard to do when you have a little one, when they do something outlandish and your instinct is to like correct them and like, you know, make a scene of sorts, but you, you have to check yourself in the moment because that's what your kid is trying to elicit from you and you can't give them what they want. So to dial yourself back and to not, not reacting sometimes is the hardest thing to do as a parent. No doubt. By far. And you are absolutely correct, Kristen. It is, we make it difficult. Mm -hmm. We complicate it as adults because as a 40 year old, I have lots of life experience (laughs) on private areas, right? He doesn't at all. So a lot of times as an adult, we are projecting our own thoughts and feelings that come from sex, masturbation, all of those things onto children who have absolutely no idea what it is, nor do they have the capability of even understanding it from a neurological and developmental perspective. So if it's just a foot, then when they are playing with it outside the home, how does that conversation go? This is a cultural one because I find that parents are more concerned about what other people will think about them Mm -hmm. and how they're parenting than the child, than the child themselves. It's the same concept of how much attention are you going to put to this behavior? Because the more attention you put to it, the more control you're giving that child to do it and to elicit a response. I would say for parents, check yourself a little bit. Am I uncomfortable with this? Is this a me thing? And I'm worried about other people. Now I will say touching, you know, having this conversation about touching ourselves in a private area, I'll be honest at three years old, developmentally, they can't really conceptualize or understand that at all. That's kind of a little bit later in life. So I want to say, I think Cassie said something about awkward conversations, embrace them. (laughs) embrace the awkward conversations. Let me tell you, they get more awkward, especially with my seven-year-old who said, wow, I was watching this girl on TV in a swimsuit and my penis felt funny. Uh They get more awkward, guys. They get more awkward. And I was like, oh, that seems like a good conversation for dad. (laughs) Be like, that's why we're only going to watch Bluey in this household from here on out. That is never going to happen with Do not leave cartoons. And while this is what happens when you have an older sister who likes to watch, you know, teeny popper right. things. Mm. All right, so one last question before we let you go. Are you supposed to refer to it as a penis or is saying wee-wee or pee-pee, is that not what you're supposed to do? Okay, and my, when I first started my parenting years, we always were told to use the proper name. I will say for just to simplify things in my home, we use the, the proper to term, penis, is the proper term that we use. I also think it it kind of like destigmatizes it and makes it less awkward. Also, it can be confusing down the line when you are having important conversations about who's allowed to touch you here. Start with the word penis, like make it known that this is an area that is private to you. When we start doing wee wee and pee pee and all that, mm-hmm. we're confusing the child a little bit. 
which can be more complicated when we're having other conversations. Great stuff. All right, that's Jessica Hutchison. She is with Andrea Berkeley on a podcast called Honest Women. You can find it anywhere, and that is on the Pioneer Network. I'm very proud of this network. Uh, thanks for coming on with us. You rock. Thank you for having me. Loved it. Take care. All right, again, that is Honest Women. You're on The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's The Burt Show's entertainment buzz. 17 years ago, people were lined up anticipating the release of the final Harry Potter book. And then there was the release of the Twilight books and films. And now it looks like we have another author to add to the ranks. So Sarah J. Mass is the author of those smutty fairy books that Cassie and I are always talking about. And she just released a third one. And fans have been lining up at midnight at bookstores to be able to get it. It came out on Tuesday. They're rabid. They are rabid for the, for the smutty fairy books. People were throwing release parties at midnight. I mean, it was a rager for the book. Reading is back. <laughs> Reading is back. It never left. Nope. <laughs> Subtitles are in. Reading, that's out. <laughs> you know what it reminds me of? I mean, there was like a huge, like with Fifty Shades of Grey uh-huh. over mm. a decade ago. I mean, that book got some serious buzz. So is this, these are just books, right? These are not movies because I think when the movie Fifty Shades of Grey came out, because of our demographic, honestly, I know this sounds like crap, but it's true. I'm like, so many of our listeners are watching it. I at least got to check it out to see what the thing is all about. And I did. But reading a whole book here to find out what the attachment is, I don't got that in me. Just to give you some perspective, the first copy of Fifty Shades of Grey sold 15 million. Sarah J. Mass's books, and she's written quite a few. There are three series have sold 38 million. Dang. So, mm-hmm. it's, and it's once you read one series, you're hooked for all of them. And they are, they are, we make fun of it. We call them our smutty fairy porn books. And there is, there are spicy scenes in some of them, but really like it is so minimal compared to the rest of the storytelling and the characters that you attach to. If you're looking for something, start with the Court of Thorns and Roses. When I was done with Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm going to offend. I'm just going to go for it. When I was done with Fifty Shades of Grey, I thought, okay, this is a movie and these are books for women that are frustrated in their own relationships. I made a general judgment and opinion about that. Could the same be said, or is that a miss, not diagnosis, miss opinion on the first one? And then is it offensive for the, the same question for this? Both, I would say. But I, you're entitled to your opinion. I think for me, reading Fifty Shades of Grey, the main character is written as very beige without strong interests. So you as a reader could insert yourself into her shell essentially and have an escape. And I think there's more conversation around um, that book is more about sex and there's more conversation about women's pleasure that comes out of that series. This series features very strong female characters who are well-respected by men, but the men are heartthrobs in and of themselves. It's about mutual respect, and there are so many heroines that come out of it, and it's just about badass women, and they're super hot (laughs) fairy boyfriends, and it is... Chef's kids. <laughs> no, so as I remember having this discussion years ago when the Fifty Shades of Grey phenomenon happened, and I read the books and I watched the movie, and and I enjoyed the books. I think, and I've, I've started reading A Court of Thorns and Roses, and hands down, she's a better author. She she's she's a better writer um, than the author of the Fifty Shades of Grey books. There's no doubt about it. For me, it wasn't what I was missing in the bedroom. I don't want any of that stuff in the bedroom that they were doing or they were talking about. It was just fun to be a part of this fantasy. Hmm. So it wasn't that that something oh. was lacking. That's I didn't want that, but it was just 
fun to be a part of that and be a voyeur of it. Did it start to make you think that that was something that you did want to experiment no, with? absolutely Never. not. Never once. Huh. No. There's no crops coming in our bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> it's just escapism, and I think yeah. women really appreciate good storytelling mm-hmm. as well, which Sarah J. Mass does. I don't want to minimize it just to the sexy part, yes. but I will say she went on the Today Show to talk about, you know, this book that she's released, and Jenna Bush Hager asked her, okay, well, what is it like when your mother-in-law, for example, asked you about a certain scene? And this is what she had to say about her and her husband. One of the most mortifying moments <laughs> of my career was my mother-in-law oh, no. pulled me aside. She goes, were all those steamy scenes inspired by you and Josh? Ooh. I wanted to just walk into traffic. I was like, I don't. I was like, no, Linda, they were not. Um, I'm blushing just imagining that. I've been with him for over half of my life now. He was my first boyfriend, my first, like, anything. But I think I can write about true love because I get to live that every day. Hmm. I would never be able to look my mother-in-law in the eye no. ever again. Because, ever again. Because that means while she was reading the book, she was picturing you and her son oh. in the scene. Oh, As a boy mom, I would never be able to look at my son's future partner and ask that question. I, no. I completely agree. Yeah. But also, I think if I, if I, like, let's say I end up having kids and, you know, one of them is a son, I don't know that I could read my daughter-in-law's material knowing there was going to be some sexiness in it because mm. I, I just think that would make me uncomfortable. Yeah, oh. I would. Pass. No, I would. I want the advanced copy. <laughs> <laughs> will you Especially bring in good. one of those books for me tomorrow? A Court of Thorns and Roses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yes, I will. You want to start reading it? I, I want to check it out. I mean, if there are so many women that are reading it, that's our audience, I should yeah. have some kind of working... Can I make a suggestion? Don't read it. No, no, you should, but why don't you try it? There's a really good audio book, and it's made to sound like a movie. So there are different actors playing the different parts. There are sound effects, and they are great to listen to on drive. Sure. Cassie okay. doesn't think you can read. <laughs> I just want him to stay engaged because it's such a good story. And, and Cassie got me the book because she wanted me to join this this. I have bought 11 copies for people because I love it so Seriously. much. Seriously. I'm buying all these self-help books <laughs> for people. Like the four-hour body. <laughs> Give me the bad boys and their wings. This will do more for your mental health than than Atomic Habits ever will. It is an Akatar cult, okay? But it takes a hot minute to Mm -hmm. get to any of those scenes because it is more about the story, not about those scenes. So if you're reading it just to get to, like, the juicy bits, you're going to have to make it to at least chapter 9, not 10. So that's not my intention of reading it. Honestly, it was the same thing as Fifty Shades of Grey. I was just trying to figure out, like, when you're scratching at the surface, what are women so attracted to about that movie? Yeah, it's a slow, it's a slowish start, but once you power through, oh, it's so good. Okay, all right. For more stories, head to the Burt Show podcast on your favorite listening platform. You're on the Burt Show. If you're cruising around with kids in a car, let's say you're saying uh, you're listening to this during the podcast version because all of our segments are uploaded and you can catch the entire show on demand. So let's say you're cruising around, you got kids in the car right now, and you're listening uh, on the podcast. We're going to talk about the sex. Kid warning. Kid warning. Uh, We're going to talk about the sex quite a bit here. Go for it, Cass. So I have a friend who's been dating a guy for, like, I think it's between seven months and a year. I forget. But she is blonde-haired, blue-eyed, very pale. And that is important to note. Okay? (laughs) Okay. All right, one more time on that. Blonde hair, Uh blue eyes, very pale. This story is not about me, by the way. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, no, it's not about Abby. You got a little pigment in there. I see it. Sure. Yeah, Yeah, you got a little bit of a tan. (laughs) So... Her boyfriend suggested to spice things up and keep things going, they start role-playing, which my friend was like, 
okay, I'm in. That could be fun. Uh-huh. We'll meet at a bar, pretend we're strangers. Ah, okay. I could go- never do that with a straight face. I would ruin it so bad. Really? Oh, my God. I don't think I could follow through. I'd be nervous that the person I'm role-playing with, if they come into a bar and sat next to me, I would mess it up, and then she'd just walk out. they reject you. Yeah, <laughs> even though it's like my wife. <laughs> I, I don't think I could do it with a straight face either. Well, I think the relationship is still newish, so she's, she's down. They're still kind of in the honeymoon phase, and she's very much infatuated. So she told me mm-hmm. they did it a couple of times, and it went really, really well, which I'm like, that's great. You guys have found something that works together. So he gets to the bar. Uh, she gets ready by herself and shows up and they just show up to the bar together and then she start, they start hitting it off uh-huh. like they don't know each other. And they've done different scenarios where he's picked her up or she's hit on him, that sort of thing. And I'm like, that is great. Whatever floats your boat, that's great. I kind of like this idea. Spice it up. Yeah. So then he took it a step further and he suggested that she really get into character more and wear a wig. Oh. Oh, okay. And so she said, okay, it's yeah. been great so far. Why not? So he bought the wig. And it's a brunette wig, which she oh, was no. like, oh, no. well, she's like, okay, like okay. it's a different, it's a different character. That's fine. Right, is she blonde? You said blonde. She's right? blonde. Okay. It's a brunette wig. Yeah. That went well. And then for the next time they're doing it, he bought her a tanning package <laughs> know, exactly. to get into this character. Uh-oh. <laughs> He's into Snooky or something? <laughs> no, I know exactly where this is going. So she <laughs> was like, okay, that's fine. Free tan. Why not? I'll get a spray tan. Whatevs. And then this was the straw where she hit me up and she was like, I don't know what to do because he wants her to get brown contacts. <gasps> so he wants my very pale skin, blonde, blue eyed friend to show up on these role playing dates in a brunette wig with brown contacts and a very heavy tan. Oh, absolutely so, not. So looking totally different than what she looks like in real life. Exactly. That's, she's interpreting like this is what he's attracted to. Yes, because he does not want. Her, he wants this fake character that he has built up in his mind, which there are other alarm bells going off for me besides the fact that it is the opposite of what what he's interested in. And she's like, I've been having fun role playing and our time on dates where I am myself is fantastic. But this is weird and it's pushy and he's ordering this stuff for me to wear and it's making me feel like he doesn't actually isn't attracted to me. He wants me to be somebody else, maybe even not a white person. And I don't know how to deal with this because that's cool if that's what you want, but I'm not going to play that character. It's one thing to pretend I don't know you at a bar. It's another to be somebody else completely. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it, we might have ourselves a little gender difference here because if we've agreed to role play, then we are going into this fantasy world, right? So as a guy, even though I think you're the hottest creature ever, why would I role play with y- somebody that looks like you if we're going into this fantasy world? I'm probably taking somebody that looks just the opposite of you. Use your imagination. I feel like this was a two-way fantasy and now it's a one-way fantasy. Yeah, because yeah, you can role play mm. where someone's the maid, you know, and you can still look the same. You know, there are different, we're like the office boss and the intern, like stupid stuff like that. People are a nurse and a patient. Like there are different <laughs> things you can play where you can look the same, but every single time and it's getting more and more intense where she's not looking like herself at all. <laughs> <laughs> like she has short blonde hair and now she has butt length like brown hair. Like, That's what role playing I, is. I do think it's kind of a gender thing because I understand what Bird is saying. Uh-huh. Okay. All I right. do. All right, let's do what could we do for like if she started ordering things on Amazon for him uh-huh. to wear. So if she got him a wig, you would wear a wig? I'd wear a wig. All right. Yes. Uh, she got you like faux facial hair to put on your face. Yes. So you have like a fake beard and a fake mustache. I'm not mad at it. <sighs> 
You're not mad at that? Uh-uh. Not at all. No, I mean, this is a it's fantasy. It's a fantasy. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I don't know if you want your significant other to be the opposite of themselves, but to look a little different than you normally would, it feels like it fits into the fantasy. I think that's what it is, though, because it's not just like a wig, like making her hair longer. It's everything opposite. So, Bert, for you, it would be a blonde wig, right? And, like, you would need to stay underground for six months and become super pale. Wouldn't bother me. Now, if she said, and I also want you to wear the, the shoes that make you a foot taller... That's where I'm drawing the line. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I don't know. For you guys, like, is this, I feel like we're going to be split along gender lines because at this point I was like, girl, I think you need to ditch because even if you're like, I'm not comfortable with this, to me it's giving... I want something else that's not you, and I'm not hmm. never going to be completely happy. With I think you. the yeah. only thing that really bothers me about this scenario is that because she said she's like getting a spray tan and stuff like mm-hmm. that, so that it that that is still there after the fantasy. Now she's changed her look in the real world. Yeah. Whereas if it just stayed there in the bar as this different person, then I got some wiggle room going on there. I've put my finger on why it gives me the ick. It makes it feel like for me. If he, if my significant other was doing that, how it would how it would affect me is that it feels like you're able to cheat on me without cheating on me. Ooh, so comp- women are so complicated. Man, that just went <laughs> elevation. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, would I feel never like, think that. Never. Like, so you want to have this fantasy with the woman, the complete opposite for me. So in a weird way, you're cheating on me with me. No, yeah, if we're, if no, we're, no, no. If we're going to lean into the argument that this is a fantasy and we're going into a fantasy world where we all look different, then why did you not also want to live in a fantasy world where you also look different? Yeah, he doesn't change at all. Because that would be her responsibility to say to him, okay, if I'm going to do this, then my fantasy is you dressing up like Travis Kelsey. Oh, now, if he says no to that, then you have a problem. Okay. If she does ask for him to change, he's like, I ain't changing, then I can see how that would be an issue. Because, But then it would seem like you're just trying to have, like, you want to have an experience with a different person, and this is, like, your roundabout way of being with a different person, even though it's actually me. Then And that feels like cheating, even though you're <laughs> cheating on me with me. Also, <laughs> my understanding... Save that. <laughs> maybe it's just me and my limited knowledge of role-playing, it feels like role-playing is where you take on, like, a, a different role, not a different person. Yes. Mm. Like, you know it's what I mean? still like, me. Yes. It's me, but I'm a lawyer, and I have a, I wear a high-powered oh, no, no. suit. That's not the way I interpret role-playing. No. Well, well, how do you interpret role-playing? Well, I, I, I will also give this warning, too, that... Some of us are so dumb that we don't know that the role playing is going on for the first couple of minutes if you don't tell us. That has happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> like the words didn't match up. Wait a second. You're not here to clean the house. <laughs> what is going on here? What do you mean? So you're saying if they had worn a wig and looked different, you would have got You need known. the visual cues. Right, but it was All just right. the words and it was an accent. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> this doesn't, this isn't register. Whoa, I get what wow. you're doing. Oh, wow. You know, Moment ruined. I, yeah. I figured out the equivalent. It's like if you're dating someone, I'm going back to our fairy porn books, and they ask you to wear pointed ears and wings because it's their favorite character from Ooh. one of the books. Are you Ooh. doing it? Um, That changes things because it's a real character. But the person in your head isn't real to you? Mm. Huh, okay. Pointed ears, that wouldn't bother me at all. <laughs>
You'd be like, you drop your wings. Mo's like, I'm just happy to be getting laid here. I would have fun being somebody else. It really wouldn't bother me. I don't get it. No, I'm here for it. They're not elves. They're fairies. They're high fae, Kristen. That's a virtual. Thanks for listening. Get more Bird Show fix at thebirdshow.com or follow us on social media at The Bird Show.